Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS All Access series, Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Discovery, and so on and so forth. Today, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard Episode 6, The Impossible Box. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Slash Trekkies, starting with none other than the Trek story himself, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? I am doing well, man. Doing well. Uh, other than seasonal allergies and, well, just been busy at work. I hadn't really had much to brag about lately. Other than we got another great episode of Picard, so ready to talk about that. Oh, yes. Yeah. So many great moments in this episode. And also on the podcast, we have the Stargate story, Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? I'm doing well today. I'm glad to be here. And I'm, I'm ready to talk about this episode. Awesome sauce, man. As always, we are glad to have you. And last but certainly not least, we have the Who story himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? You know what? I think I'm not going to break something that sounds good so far. And I'll just say I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to talk about this and I'm ready to delve into this episode. But how about you? How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. And I'm anxious. (laughs) Jumping at the bit to talk about this episode as well. Yeah. So as always, guys, we thank each and every one of you for your feedback. You can send in feedback by going to any of the social medias and typing in at discussing trek or send us feedback in directly at fans at discussing trek.com also if you are listening right now i want to show your support check us out at discussing trek.com slash support where you can uh, sign up to our patreon or um, contribute via paypal so we appreciate all of your contributions there and i'm going to throw it out to the guys here on the panel do you have any news or updates that you'd like to provide um, actually, there's two things that I found. I don't know if, if everybody else has seen these or not. But um, a, the Star Trek Discovery actor, Kenneth Mitchell, who played Klingon, Klingon warrior Cole in Discovery, has been diagnosed with ALS. Yeah, that made me sad. So, I saw that. So we want to wish him best wishes in, in management of, of, of his life and his family and, you know, hope all is well with him. Yeah, man, definitely a great actor who's played many Klingon versions in the Star Trek Discovery. So, yeah, man, like you said, best wishes to him and his family and and, and everything. We just I just praying for the best. Very much so. Yeah, definitely. And on a lighter note, I got a couple of things I wanted to mention. Uh, Number one, there was an interview done uh, with Elon Musk and. Basically, he gave his thumbs up approval of the U.S. Space Force, saying he eyes a Star Trek potential. Oh, man. Yeah, I have to say, I'm, I'm as many reservations we can have by our current administration. I definitely love the move he made to do the Star Force thing. Yes. You know? uh, awesome. Yeah, I think only somebody like Trump can pull that off. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm in his corner on that one because space. Now, hopefully we get the funding behind it, uh, you know, because this is mainly just a new governmental branch in the Air Force, part of the Air Force, I think. So, yeah, yeah. so if, if they can, you know, actually put some money into it and do some interesting things, I think it can be fantastic going forward. So, so yeah, I'm down for it. Uh, one more thing. Uh, Tech Radar had a, did an interview with 
uh, Picard's production designer. His name is Todd, and I'm going to butcher his last name, but I give it a shot. Chernowski. Good. Well, well done. <laughs> Good attempt. <laughs> well done. Uh, so, uh, Everybody just go and read it. There's a lot of tidbits in there, a lot of good little information, but a couple of things that stuck out to me. Uh, they designed uh, Captain Rios' ship because they want to kind of portray him as like a space trucker, which is why it has more of an open, warehousey type look. And the transporter pad, they designed it to look that way instead of like the classic transporters we're used to uh, because it's made to transport larger cargo. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that's one thing. There's a, also a thing about um, so Raffi's little thing she was living in when Picard went to find her was actually an old Federation feed container that she converted into an apartment. Oh, wow. Oh, really? That's cool. <laughs> so, yeah, and there's a lot of other little things he talks about. It's a pretty lengthy article, and he kind of just talks about the production we've seen so far and set design. So it's a good read. I advise everybody to check it out. Awesome sauce, man. I do have one more piece of news. Um, Discovery has been renewed up to season five. They just announced today, so we're going to. So we're we're definitely going to have a few more, few more stories coming out of this before it's over. That's pretty cool. And I also heard a rumor that um, the Section Thirty One series has been renewed for season two, but they've not shot one single uh, uh, piece of footage. So uh, that, I don't know how that works, but. <laughs> Mm. I don't know. It's it's supposed to be uh, Michelle Yeoh starring in it, so I don't understand how they're going to do that. I really don't. We well, maybe by the end of season three, we'll figure out how they get her back and how they can make this happen. Or it could Time be, yeah, it could be like a prequel sort of. I mean, like what happens during season two on her end or something. I don't know. I, I don't know what they're going to. It could be interesting though. Hmm. So thank you guys for those news items. And also we want to thank you listening for your ratings and reviews on iTunes. And we want you to just go out and continue to do those. Those help us get discovered and let more people know about what we're actually doing here. So please on a podcasting platform, of your choice, head on out and give us a rating and review five stars, please. But anything will be appreciated. But guys, let's get into our review of Star Trek Picard, The Impossible Box, which originally aired or was originally available for streaming on February 26th and directed by Maja Virillo, if I'm saying it right, like Brillo, Virillo. Sorry, I butchered that. <laughs> Who also directed Star Trek Discovery, Perpetual Infinity and the short Trek Runaway. Picard and his crew track soldiers of the Borg Cube and Romulan space, resurfacing haunting memories for Picard. Meanwhile, Narek believes he has finally found a way to safely exploit Soji for information. In a few hours, we'll be on a Borg Cube without authorization. This cube is under Romulan control. I believe she's close to discovering who she really is. We have to get there as quickly as possible. The journey always begins with the closing of the eyes. What's happening to me? You must take me to her now. They are in some serious trouble. Let go! Let go of me! They are not responding. So I'm going to go around the horn and get everybody's high-level view of this episode. And I'm going to start with Cal Jones, man. What did you think of The Impossible Box? I really, really like this. This is one of those episodes, and I think I've made reference to this back when we were going through our Picard series before this started as really enjoying going back and looking 
at some of these older episodes from a new perspective. On the flip of that, to me, this is one where I'm actually glad that I'm the age that I am because I think it gave so much more to the story being able to look at it and see these characters, especially Hugh and Picard, interact and have that history. I really enjoyed this, and I'm curious to see, I mean, anxious to see what everybody else thinks. Awesome. What about you, Jeremy? I'm going to be a little bit different this week and say I really enjoyed this episode. <gasps> what? Bum, bum, bum. What? Um, I feel like we're finally uh, we're, we're finally getting somewhere. So, I mean, I, I was really... Like, we're by getting the, to the artifact. Yeah. Well, by the time <laughs> this episode was over, I was like, okay, now I want the, I'm ready for the next episode. Why, would, why do I have to wait? Interesting. Interesting. John, what did you think of this episode, The Impossible Box? Um, so... I, like I said earlier, I, I'm excited about it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I'm going to echo Cal in saying I really like the past character interaction. And it kind of, you know, us old Trekkies kind of gave us a good feel-good moment. So I really yeah. enjoyed that. I got a theory that I'm working on that I think we may have going on. And like Jeremy said, I'm, I'm kind of... And well, not kind of. I'm very much anticipating the next episode. So awesome! Great, great, great! Awesome. What about you, Clarence? Man, I love this episode. Uh, we got a fair amount of action uh, ties again, like ties to the past. And you know, I think they keep taking it a step further to extend the mystery. Because they, they could have, you know, given us so much in this episode on the mystery. They gave us just enough, though, to keep us going and keep us more intrigued. So I'm loving that. And again, man, some of the there are some scenes in this episode are like my favorite in Star Trek, period. And we'll get into it. But, man, I really, wow. I really love this episode. And if you have not seen this episode, folks, henceforth will be spoilers. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. What gives you the right? You cannot destroy an undemon. At ease before you spray something. So let's, I'm going to probably take this one in a different direction on how we're going to jump around a little less linearly. But uh, let's talk about Narek and Soji. So Soji continues to be swayed by the magnetic powers of Narek. <laughs> Again, I have to ask, I asked like, this like a couple episodes ago, what is she thinking? Just, just, I don't get it. It's, I just think she's in love at this point. Is is that kind of the feeling you guys are getting? I thought she was in love from the second episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah <me> too. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense to me. It just doesn't make any sense. I get love seldom does. <laughs> I, but, but, but what about this? What if based on the history that she has, however long it may well be, this may be we're assuming that she's had all of these relationships because of her proposed age. What if this is the first person uh, that's ever shown her this type of interest? This is more a new experience for her that she's reveling in. Yeah, true. Well, she's only 37 months old, so. <laughs> Talk She's about Robin Crichton. <laughs> I know, right? 
So let's talk a little bit about Narek's method of actually getting to Soji. To me, everything he does to try to eat away at her is sort of like I kind of equate it to like the computer problem where you try to confuse the android that we've seen in various sci-fi iterations in different shows to where you give the computer an impossible problem it can't solve and then it kind of just goes crazy. Is that kind of the sense you guys are getting? What do you think about Narek's approach? Um, So not really to make it go crazy. I'm just kind of like, like how do you eat an elephant? It's like one bite at a time. So like he's he's like planting small things to open other things. So and I think that's kind of in he kind of alludes to that when he's talking to his sister about the box. Like you 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 have to have patience. You have to figure out why it's locked, and then you have I mean like a Rubik's cube. You you have to move certain things in certain directions to get certain things to go in another direction. And I that's kind of how I'm seeing him attack this problem. Well, no, I, I very much agree with that. And you mentioned the little box, his toy or whatever. The Rubik's Cube. The Romulan Rubik's Cube. Right. <laughs> That's what we'll call it, the Romulan Rubik's Cube. I actually <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, but 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 you do make the excellent point of that. He mentioned that it's taking the key is taking the time to, to realize what's keeping it closed. And obviously, the metaphor between it and Soji. I just want to go real quick back to these dreams we open with the dream so let's talk about these dreams that she's having and kind of my issue with the dream they're trying to get a actual fact from a dream which she never really experienced because she's never been a child does, does that make any sense mm, it but didn't she doesn't the first know that she's never been a child though but well you know, up until you said something, I was okay with that. Oh. But now that I think about it, so yeah, so and then maybe this is where you're going, and maybe not. Even if it's a dream, and I know, uh, so my first, my first rebuttal was going to be, you know, it's not a dream. It's a, it's a clash between two programs trying to reconcile the human side of her and the android side of her. But even still, they wouldn't have programmed that set of sequences into her program and so how would the how would the programming like know you know yeah, yeah. I, mean, I get like like how would she be dreaming quote unquote dreaming of things that wouldn't have been in her programming to start with yeah and we, she hadn't experienced it so yeah that, that wouldn't make sense but thanks for ruining that no scene. no <laughs> I mean, it just, yeah, it's not my fault this time. <laughs> it, it it just got to me that like would we're assuming Maddox programmed her dream or maybe some things that sh- that she had experienced formulated her dream maybe because did did Data dream? I'm trying to remember. Yes, he did. Yes, he had the he had that one. Uh, I don't know how many. T- I don't know if he was more than once. But remember, he was dreaming. He was walking through the quarters of the Enterprise. And the guy was hammering on the anvil, and it was uh, uh, how what was it? I, I always confuse this and Seven of Nine's dream of the Raven, but Data was the guy was hammering on the anvil, and it was uh, soon, and 
Gosh, I'm going to have to look that up. But yes, it was a dream. So that kind of has precedent then to be something that could happen. Maybe the maybe not the actual dream of her walking through the corridor and seeing Maddox working on the wooden version on herself. But like our real dreams, it's kind of formulated or informed by the things we actually go through that can permeate into our dreams. So I could I guess I could see that happening. And, and, you know, to the listeners out there, correct me if I'm wrong and I'll go back and research it. But I think in Data's dream, it gets to a certain point where he realizes he's dreaming of Dr. Soon working on him, working on Data, like on himself. Good call, man. So this makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Now Hmm. now that we talk it out. Yeah. So good. I brought my life back. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome sauce. Awesome. Now, was that a? I'm just. This is way off. Not off topic, but nothing important. What was the stuffed animal she was carrying? Like they kept making it a point to pan the camera angle toward that stuffed animal, and I couldn't make out what it was. Are you talking about when she was having her um, dream thing? Oh, in her dream. Oh, I don't. I don't know because I think she had the same stuffed animal when she were was doing the the carbon dating or whatever on all her pictures and stuff. Well, you know, it may not be as as important to know what that creature is, but that because I know when I was a child, I had a pound puppy I carried around me all the time. So that just may have been like a representation of childhood to carry around the stuffed. You just carried around a puppy. I, it was a, it was a stuffed puppy. It was like oh, a, a stuffed puppy. You yeah. said a pound puppy. I it, thought you that, went that to the pound. That was the name of the cartoon. Puppy. Was the pound puppies? Oh, okay. You know, children carry around these stuffed animals with them as as a bit of a comfort. So it just may have been a representation of her chi- of childhood, quote unquote. Nah. comfort and it doesn't necessarily matter what that stuffed creature is but there's a stuffed creature there representing that childhood gotcha i can see that it just seems like they made it very prominent for some reason and i couldn't understand why and i want to give narek a lot of credit i mean from the very beginning we've been seeing his sister narissa really tear off into him like you're not getting the job done you're falling in love with this android but He's he's more way more cunning than I've ever given him credit for. And I think he's a very formidable foe from seeing what he does in this episode. And again, like going back to planting those seeds in Soji, the fact well, when he told her about the transmissions being exactly 70 seconds, that will F up your brain. (laughs) Like what? All of my transmissions are exactly 70 seconds. Now, he had a good excuse to say they came they came up as a flag because they were all 70 seconds. So I really like how he kind of laid the seed for her to research further into what was what was going on. Absolutely. That was very, very good Uh, because, you know, at first thought, you know, I didn't put much thought into it. But then I kind of went into thinking like and almost back to your point of what he his possible plan was like. Just that little detail, like, threw in confusion there. Like, if her programming was having issues, like, that actually caused one. Yeah. 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 Like, again, like I said, oh, I'm, I'm starting to spaz out. Can't compute. <laughs> <laughs> Does not compute. Does not compute. Does anybody want to talk about the scene where she begins to pull all her belongings out of the lockers and storage and just throws them on the table and the carbon dating? I call it carbon dating, whatever it is to tell how old stuff is. And did we get an Easter egg up in there? Does anybody want to bring it up? 
a Voyager reference there uh, for Mr. Flotter for uh, <laughs> Miss Naomi Wildman's holodeck friend. Yeah, yeah, Flotter. That was awesome. Like, there are several points in this episode where I tried to freeze frame, you know, and that was one of them to see like the actual lunch pill or lunch box, whatever it was. But that was a really cool, really cool uh, throwback to uh, I think the episode of Once Upon a Once Upon a Child. Is that the name of it? Yeah, and it, it came up a few episodes in Voyager, actually. Ah, yeah. Which I, I, it was probably one of my least liked Voyager episodes. <laughs> not, yeah. not that it was just a bad episode, but usually when I seen a flatter episode, it was like one of those. It was just highly unimportant. <laughs> well, and that's that's kind of me for the just mostly most of the holodeck episodes. Yeah. Anytime there was a holodeck, I'm like, haven't they figured out that's just bad by now? <laughs> and, I, I, and I know that main Flotter episode, like it was all about Flotter, and I was like, "Really? Well, no, it was it was it was about Naomi's uh, mother." Yeah, what yeah. happened to her mother? She was on a way mission or something. <laughs> What's that? All we saw was Flotter just flotting around, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, I, I love the Captain Proton stuff with Tom Paris and Harry Kim. That's some of my favorite stuff. Yeah, that was pretty good. It actually, well, now there is one really great holodeck episode is where the doctor creates a family. That was pretty good yeah, as well. That was, that's probably about the only really, in my opinion, the only really good holodeck episode of the whole series. Yeah. Just hmm. put it out there. <laughs> so, what other Easter eggs did you find, Claire? Uh, well, that's all on the the actual Soji track that I found. Okay. But we got some more stuff once we dive into Picard. Does anybody have any more thoughts on the Soji Narek storyline in this episode? Kyle, do you have any thoughts? I really kind of like the the thing with her going through the different pictures because you kind of felt as watching her and the actress did a great job of deconstructing herself visually because you saw that anxiety start to build as each item same same age same age and you you're you're seeing her kind of fall apart as the scene progresses so kudos to the actress there yes yeah that was very well done for her yeah i think about how much we fall apart when we find out something about about our past is not what we thought it was and she's sitting there in all of her cherished personal items are all coming up as this exact age old and that that that's a lot <laughs> but who knows yeah. it may make her stronger well, it did for a second there didn't it didn't <laughs> yeah. yeah it did hulk wow. smashed through the floor <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back and let's talk about the picard trick in this episode so um, we start things off on the Picard side with Dr. Agnes Gerardi, <laughs> Admiral Picard and Elnor all sitting around. And Gerardi kind of explains what happened to Maddox, a.k.a. his heart just couldn't take it. <laughs> <laughs> a.k.a. she's quickly turned into the villain of the entire series. But my question was, does it seem a bit out of character for Picard to so easily be... <sighs> I'm so manipulated by Gerardi there. Or is he? I think he's just so focused on something else. He didn't put much thought into someone he 
I mean, I mean, put yourself in his shoes. You pretty at this point, you have no reason to doubt Dr. Zarati. True. And we know that Zarati and Maddox had a close relationship. But as far as Picard knows, they just worked together. Yeah. So why would you think there was an ill will? You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm he's so focused on everything else. I don't think he put that together yet. I don't know. I do think if Rafi would have been around when she was giving her spill right there, Rafi would have called her BS. <laughs> Cause oh, I, yeah, for sure. Because yeah. she don't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to call it here. I'll tell you who will figure it out. Uh, Elnor will be the one to figure it out. In a sense, I think he has it. I think he has, too. I think hmm. he has started putting two and two together and realizing she's not coming up with four. Yeah. I think Rios is figuring it out. I don't know. Rios is just, uh, you should sleep with a captain. You know, whatever he said. <laughs> that was really funny. Man, but I don't know. I don't know. I think he's kind of, he's not, to me, in my opinion, he's not really looking too far into it. He's kind of just doing his swashbuckling captain thing and he's having fun. Mm, I can uh, see that. I, I think I think Rios might put it together first, but Elnor's going to be the one to bust it wide open by accident because he, just, <laughs> he doesn't have that social filter yet. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I think she slipped with Rios to because she kind of feels like maybe he could kind of be on to her, maybe a little oh. bit, or not not really trust her. Yeah, if she's playing chess here and she's thinking three steps ahead, get the captain okay. on your side, huh? I didn't think about that. So, and while we're here, let me ask a question first, and then if depending on the answer to this question, I'll pose a theory. How long ago was the Mars attack was in relation years? to our 14, 14, 13, 13, 13, 13, 14 years? 13, yeah. yeah, 14 years, I think. Maybe not, then. Do we know how old uh, Dr. Zarati is? She's got to be at least in her mid-30s, I would think. Okay. I would say late 30s. Yeah, I'd say like so 30s, my, early 40s, but yeah. I counsel that. So I, I just I, I was thinking, what if she was the little girl in the short trip? No, she was she was a part of the program at the time, if I remember correctly. Because didn't they show a flashback and that she was in at the, uh, maybe in the first episode? I don't think so. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, I, like, if she's working with the Romulans to get rid of the Sith, she's probably mad because her dad died in that Mars attack. If yeah. she if she indeed was that little girl, but I don't think the timing fits, so yeah. never mind. Yeah, I don't think she was a little girl. Um, but yeah, I'm still trying to figure out her angle. I'm, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop here because uh, I don't I don't know if I want to believe she's working with the Zot Fash and uh, Commander O, but something it may be another player in this whole thing that we don't know about. But see, there is the possibility that you're working. With well, maybe not with, but working for, because what would she maybe have to hold over her head? So look at it from a perspective of if you have somebody that is a quote unquote good person, what might motivate them to do the things that she's done? So the question then becomes, what do they have to hold over her? Yeah, yeah, good because it does seem like she's doing this a lot against it, uh, almost against her will. Mm. Oh man. I could see that. Maybe maybe it started out not against her will, but decisions she made caused other things to go into play. And then she tried to, as she alluded to, like fix things. And that ended up making it worse. So 
spiraled out of control. Possibly. It's a good mystery, and they they're 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 writing this very well. They're milking it out. Uh, so again, with that conversation, Elnor, uh, Gerardi, Picard. Um, any thoughts of Picard's reaction when Elnor like confronts him? Like, why are you so scared? What's wrong? And then we have one of my favorite Picard acting scenes in this series so far. Oh yeah, that that was uh. Like that, that stood out a lot to me. Um, just you hardly ever see Picard show emotion so strongly, and that kind of kind of gives you a pretext of what he went through when he was assimilated. So that I mean, yeah, that was that was a very big scene. But I also like the innocence of Elnor. Like, yeah, again, he doesn't have that. What do you say, like a social filter? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that that actually, I think that was good for Picard, though. He got that out, and I think that was good for him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I loved how they created this small bit of exposition based on Gerardi's being a cyberneticist. They said, oh, all cyberneticists learn about the Borg as, as a basic part of being a cyberneticist. You have to learn this. So she knew all about the Borg and the you know, what happened to Picard. So I really loved how she kind of just spelled it out <laughs> and, you yeah. know, kind of confronted him with it. That was, that was really good. And my favorite line was they don't change. They metastasize. <laughs> <laughs> he, dug like, wow. that one. he dug in with that one, man. Like <laughs> there is some emotion there, buddy. Golly. <laughs> They, uh, they coolly assimilate entire civilizations, entire systems in a matter of hours. They don't change. They metastasize. Picard digging deep. Big words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that reminded me of the moment we get in um, uh, first contact with uh, Lily when they get the whole Nemo speech, Captain Nemo speech. And also in the episode, the Hugh episode, our Borg, when he's talking to Guinan. He like goes off the handle again about the Borg yeah. bad, you know. So that just took me right back to those moments, which I really loved. Yeah. So, so here's my most amazing scene, one of the most amazing scenes in Star Trek ever. So Picard, after getting up, having this conversation, walks to his hollow chateau, ready room, whatever, and he pulls up some Borg pictures, which he goes through Hugh and looks at a Borg cube. But then there's this scene where the picture of him as Lacutus of Borg comes up and they do a beautiful, beautiful trick with the camera to where they're right behind the hollow screen projection and they show Lacutus halfway overlaid over current Picard's face. And yeah, to, that, that is awesome. That is one of my favorite scenes in Star Trek period, man. It's so good. That was <laughs> haunting, actually. Yes. Who thinks of that? So good. <laughs> so good, man. Wow. Freaking amazing. Yeah, like that 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 I mean, now that you not, like you say who thinks of that, like kudos to the writers. Yeah. To like even think of it. Like I, that wouldn't even have been which I'm no script writer or anything, but I mean just to think, hey, you know what would be a great idea? Like that's groundbreaking. Yeah. I want that as my desktop background. <laughs> it's just a beautiful scene, man. And talk about this being an impossible box. You know, when I think of Picard, I think in I think the Borg cube as being an impossible box for him because we learned that he's going back for only the second time in his lifetime. 
and he has to confront some demons. So any thoughts on Picard's return, loan return <laughs> to, <laughs> to the board cube? Mm. You, you know, I, 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 uh, I look at it as someone returning to the scene of a violent crime oh. and ha- because if, if you look at it, he was taken against his will. He was changed against his will. And in all ways, in, and in some ways, and in all ways, perhaps, he was violated as a being by, by being forced to be the Borg. So I kind of look at, at it as facing, going back, and all of a sudden, those things that you pushed so far in the back of your mind trying to forget, you can't control them being flooded back in because of where you are. That's kind of how I saw it. I, I agree. And then and to add a little more to it, this, you know, again, it was helpful. So like I said a little while ago, like it helped him to get that out when he was in conversation with Elnor. Like we see that there's a lot of pent up emotion and aggression. Mm-hmm. And as you said, Kyle, he has to face it. And I think this is going to change him probably most likely for the better. Like it's it's almost like, you know, when you go sit down and talk to a psychologist and they tell you the only way to get get over something is kind of to go through it, work your way through it. We have to talk about it, we have to experience it, we have to understand it, and then we can get through it. And I don't think he's ever had that moment. Case in point, you know, take someone who is afraid of heights and you safe, you know, using that same principle, safely, gradually get to higher distances and uh, before long, before you know it, you're not afraid of heights anymore. Mm-mm. And there was, well, I don't know what, if there was an episode of TNG or where, but somebody, um, what was it? Maybe it was the last episode of T. Anyway, they were there. And I think maybe it was a TNG episode where Troy saying he never really talked about his assimilation and the Lacutus thing. And it was something that he was eventually going to have to face and deal with. Yeah. And it was kind of part of his problem. Wasn't yeah. that first contact? Mm-mm. That was on the episode we reviewed here recently. Yeah. Well, not recently. Well, it seemed like it's on the episode where he's on his vacation. I yeah. Know. When he goes back to the Chateau. Uh, when because Troy would kept trying oh, to get yeah, him to yeah, talk yeah. about it. You're right. It was home. Our family. Yes. Family. Yeah. Family. Yeah. And they and that was kind of the problem. Like he just hadn't dealt with that yet. And this is the episode where he dealt with it. Yeah. After all these years, huh? <laughs> day late and a dollar short. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I'll agree. You definitely see the gravity of Picard's situation, and you feel. Not only how much he hates the Borg, but you instantly feel how much he's still afraid of the Borg, which slightly surprised me. Uh, and again, like, it's always great acting. And, and it was awesome seeing him and Hugh reconnect and, you know, the the embrace, the hug. That had a big smile on my face to see them two hug like oh, that. Goodness. Yeah. Wasn't he like the first person excited to see Picard? In the whole series, <laughs> he might be. <laughs> so far, he might be, man. Well, other than Dodge, but <laughs> but but that scene right there—that was the scene where I got the comment of, "I'm glad to be the age that I am and be able to have the scenes that we were talking about, where we saw Hugh in these earlier episodes, and now have this and being able to watch this. This tapestry is 
so good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and it's, go ahead. And it's kind of a reverse in time. So last time when Hugh and Picard interacted, Picard was helping Hugh through a mentally tough situation. Yeah. And it was like Hugh was the child and Picard was the father, quote unquote. And now it's kind of reverse. Now Hugh is helping Picard work through a mentally tough situation. Oh, it very good, very good to see. But and to add to what you just said, he would not have been able to have done that had it not been for that other situation. So it was one couldn't w- exist without the other. Absolutely. Yeah. And then you have like the whole reframing of the Borg cube that Picard has to get past. You know, now this is a place of peace. We have the XBs, the former Borg, which, you know, that's kind of their nickname for him. Uh, it's kind of kind of cheesy, but Hugh makes a good point. And again, it goes back to everything you guys just talked about. A new name can be a catalyst to a new identity. I learned that years ago on the Enterprise. Freaking awesome. Freaking awesome. Yes. And, and you know, Hugh explains to Picard about how this cube has changed, how the Borg have changed. And Picard makes this really awesome statement. And I just want to repeat it real quick. After all these years, you were showing what the Borg are underneath. They are victims, not monsters. They're victims, not monsters, man. It's, that's that's pretty profound that Picard, after just having these reservations about coming over, has been changed in, in just this short amount of time. So that's really yeah. good stuff. Because they're just like three hours ago were a metastasizing disease. <laughs> <laughs> and they have been since the, the best of the worlds to him. So, you know, but I mean, again, that's how this, this experience of him being back on a board cube, like changes how he deals with it. Like three hours ago, he couldn't stand them. And there was like, there's just, they, they were evil. And just that experience, I guess he's faced it and become, look at them differently so yeah so before the crap hits the fan and we have this huge escape i'll just real quick mention and we, we talked about it a little bit but the whole rafi reels relationship i want to know their backstory man because i really like those two together i bet they have some good adventures <laughs> they seem very they seem to mesh very well together and you see mm-hmm. you know reels kind of you know being the shoulder for her to lean on yeah, I did see that. That uh, I don't because at that moment I was like, was was there a maybe a deeper relationship here? I don't know. Because then we had we had the whole scene with the 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 Starfleet officer as well, who she was trying to get permission from. I don't know, man. <laughs> Rafi just has she knows a lot of people. I feel she just maybe she, she just has that. It's hard to say if she has a people person mentality because right now she's kind of in a rut. But I can definitely see her when she's chipper being, you know, kind of the people, a person people gravitate to. Yeah. She, she seems like one of those that it's hard to say no to her because she doesn't accept no. And so it's just easier to get to say yes, just so she'll move on to something else and leave you alone. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. But too. you can't help but like her at the same time. Yeah, I'm going to kind of land somewhere in the middle of what both of you just said. I, I'm not saying she's per se not a peaceful person, but I think that she has mastered the skill 
of saying what needs to be said to the right person at the right time to get whatever outcome she's wanting. Because if she can do that and get what she got when she is drunk off her proverbial, you know what, (laughs) then imagine how well she could do or how great she could do if she were fully sober. Yeah. I'm still waiting for her redemption, man. I can't wait to see her kick tail as, you know, a a sober officer, you know, maybe one day. (laughs) (laughs) So guys, let's, let's, let's wrap things up by talking about the great escape. (laughs) Soji, you know, I guess has her realization and busts open the Zal mock box and the team is on a run. Any thoughts on this whole um, escape from the board cube? So does, does Elnor know how to work the transporter system? Because he kind of appeared out of nowhere and I doubt Rios would send him down. So I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering how he got there. That's a good point. I can see Rios sending him. If if they think Rios didn't know he had left. Oh, did he? He didn't? Oh, he turned around and said, Where's the kid? Yeah. Oh god, he sure did. Uh yeah. Well maybe one of the EM H's oh, yeah. or you know, whatever the EM whatever is of the <laughs> of the day. The hospitality emergency hospitality person. Maybe uh he sent him down. Yeah. In any case, he got down there and kicked some serious butt. So <laughs> I was happy about that. And then I think that I, I really liked how at the end of the episode, they didn't even let us see what was going to happen. But you can imagine what was going to happen when he was like right. going to fight off the, the Romulan guards. My friends choose to live. Yeah. <laughs> Fade the black. Heads are rolling. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a cool little mind trick there of us having to imagine what he did. So, yeah, I like that as well. But, you know, we got some Voyager ties here at the end when Picard meets up with Soji. He says, I want to help you. I know your sister. And they uh, they head for this secret room, uh, Borg Queen room. And and they show some Voyager linked technology. Anybody want to talk about that? I actually just watched this episode this morning because of this. Uh, ah. This like the. And now I'm blanking on the names. It's like Salaritans. Sakarian. Sakarians. Yeah, the Sakarians. The 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 planet that just based purely on pleasure. Yeah. Hmm. Harry Kim was getting some pleasure. <laughs> oh Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Harry and his love of chasing. For everything. Yeah. Um yeah, so apparently the they were at some point assimilated. As was their transport their transport technology. Yeah, really, I miss that. Yeah, really. My cool. first thought was the uh, that the ancient gates that they were using the it was a DS nine episode where the uh, Jim Hadar had found this gate system that could teleport you like hundred thousand light years or was so, it like a Stargate. <laughs> Possibly. Just, just, just say. Just asking. <laughs> I mean, it could, it could have been. I don't know. But yeah, that that's where I got. I didn't. I totally missed the Voyager episode, and I don't, I don't even remember that episode. It yeah. was like in the first season. Yeah. So, so Harry meets. They go to this pleasure planet. Harry meets his girl, and they as he 
does. Yeah, they go through this portal, and he thinks they're on a holodeck or something, if I remember correctly. Oh, but, yes. But I do like, remember that. Yeah, they're halfway across the system. He's like, what is going on here? We need to take this back to Voyager. I do remember <laughs> that now. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so are we to believe that uh, the Romulans know nothing about this queen room, queen chamber? I don't think they do. I mean, if, I don't think they do either. Yeah, according to Hugh. The, yeah, that's the impression I got. Yeah, so Picard makes a getaway to Nepenthe, and we are going to have a very interesting episode next week or in just a few days. So, yeah, I can't wait for that. Any other thoughts on this episode? Any other takeaways that you guys want to mention before we wrap this thing up? So. I don't know if it's just me being late to the game, but I'm starting to believe that Dodge and Soji are were created partly with Borg technology, and that's gone astray. Why? Because we're spending because they're they're both since, and we're spending so much time on the Borg. There's so much Borg involved in this series that I'm wondering if there's more to them than her just working on the artifact than just me. Yeah. Well, they would. Mm. She was definitely there to find something. But we don't know what she was there to find. So, I don't know. I'm not saying that wouldn't be cool, because it would be. But I, I'm wondering if the Borg location was just to play up some of the scenes like we were talking about with uh, Hugh and Picard that we talked about earlier. I, again, I'm not saying that's not cool, because it totally would be. I mean, cause I don't know if this is because the Borg are like my all-time favorite enemy I guess in Star Trek, but I would, it just seems to me like there's more to it than just location. Hmm. Interesting. So did, did anybody else think that the dream version of who I'm assuming is Maddox look more like somebody else and not Maddox? Oh, absolutely. Cause I thought it was Bashir at first, but I know it's not, I know it's not, <laughs> but he just was structurally built framed like Bashir, you know, the way he looked. I know he's definitely not, though, but I don't know. What are your? Th- I know you had a theory, John. Like, what what theory did you have? No, we we talked about it. It wasn't a big theory. My theory of uh, Doctor Andrade being the girl ah, from Mar. Gotcha, gotcha. Hmm. All right. Well, I guess next week we're gonna actually see a few more members of the former Enterprise crew, which should be pretty, which should be pretty interesting. So I'm ready for that. And I guess we're ready to wrap things up if nobody has any more thoughts. So, yeah. So, I yeah, enjoyed so, this episode. It was a fun one. I posted something on our Facebook page about, and I've just, there's no, no, nobody said anything closely resembling it. But what would you guys' thoughts be on a Q appearance? Oh, yeah. I, I think I respond. I'm, I'm down for that. I'm down for that next season. I mean, with Guinan, <laughs> with Guinan coming back? Yeah, yeah. I think that would be spot on yeah i mean that that that's just another like very important part of picard's past and his, his psyche and like I, I i don't think they can do this series without it yeah i mean in, in my opinion it doesn't even have to be a whole season of q it could be like no. a, the few episode arcs where they you know uh they they have one arc where they bring them in to, you know, to cause some havoc and then we move on to something else. It doesn't have to be a whole season, in my opinion. So I can also bring him in at like the beginning of next season to kind of start the whole arc for season two. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely could. Interesting. 
We'll see. And they wouldn't even have to, and, and really, because it's Q and his personality, they wouldn't have to explain why he looks so much older now, being oh. omnipotent. Oh, he can just look. He can just look however the hell he wants to, and he can just kind of make an offhand comment. Well, this is what I want to like now. Well, he oh. always he always tried to match himself to Picard, what Picard was doing in uniform, and he'd always do yeah. that anyway. So I could see him. It'd be so awesome if they bring him on and they show the young him, and he just like snaps his fingers, and then it's the older him. I like <laughs> that would be great. And I can hear him now. My Picard, we've aged. Il <laughs> <laughs> <Yo>, Capitan. <laughs> All right, guys, we're ready to wrap things up. So let's go around a horn and see what everybody has been working on, watching, listening to, whatever has been tickling your fancy, podcast related or otherwise. And let's start with Jeremy. What about you, man? So I recently downloaded it. I've got the free week of BritBox, which is the um, BBC and ITV streaming platform, kind of like their Netflix and Hulu and whatnot. And it has a lot of old Doctor Who, yeah. which I'm going to start going through and, and viewing. But apparently I've got to watch the latest episode of Doctor Who because some stuff has happened <laughs> that could change everything. I don't know what it is yet. The Brandon Morbius watched it too. They're, they've got like a whole set of like for each <laughs> classic doctor, like these are the stories you need to watch. And I think that's one of them actually. <laughs> so I've got, I've got to delve, delve back into to the classic doctor sometime this week when I got time. <laughs> awesome sauce. I, I, I actually want to go back and watch too. And I, I think we might be delving into some ACE adventures possibly here soon after the season wraps up. Uh, so the curse of Fenric is probably the best Ace Adventure I've seen so far, by the way. Ah. If you need a place to start, that's where I would kind of recommend. Awesome sauce. Might have to get your feedback once we dive into those. <laughs> All right, John, man. So what have you been working on? Podcast or otherwise, or listening to, or whatever? Watching? Um, Not much. I've, I've been pretty tied up. I take my uh, real estate licensing exam in the morning. Oh, man. So the past week I have been just other than work, I've been studying real estate law. So hopefully I'm well prepared for that. But in between times, I, of course, been throwing in some trick here. I have Voyager set to record uh, from BBC every night. So I kind of watch an episode of Voyager to go to sleep on at night. Not saying Voyager is boring. It's just because I've seen it so much. That's just (laughs) what I watch. Um, I've also been listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. Okay. All right. Uh, so, I mean, completely off topic and not sci-fi, but he talks about a lot of everything and he's one of those people that knows everything. So it's pretty interesting listening when you just have nothing else to do. So that's been my experience this week. And, and my man cave is nearing completion. Whoa. Are we broadcasting so, from the man cave yet, cave yet or No, not yet. Not <laughs> yet. Not yet. I gotta get the uh flooring put in. They'll be putting the sheetrock up uh next day or so. And then I guess hopefully by next podcast we'll be coming live from the ready room recording oh, studio. Oh the ready room recording studio. We have to go video. <laughs> <laughs> the ready room so recording studio star trek clock i ordered off of Etsy. i got for uh christmas and it's it's actually pretty cool it's a handmade clock and each hour is a different ship from trick store trick cannon wow and ds9 space station is my centerpiece on the oh, clock so that's awesome 
<laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. And then along with some of the uh, great gifts that we got from our great showrunner, Clarence Brown, I'm going to have those stowed there. So, awesome. so I, I got big plans, man, big plans. So maybe we'll be recording from the Ready Room studio next Monday. At, at Voyager O'Clock? <laughs> Voyager O'Clock. <laughs> Actually, I got to figure out. That's going to be cool. I'll figure out what ship is there. <laughs> All right, Calzones. What have you been working on, podcast-related or otherwise, listening to or whatever? All right. So anyone who is a fan of comic books or comic book-related content, you can always check us out also at DiscussingComics.com. All right. And as for me, I think like over the last few weeks, I've taken a crash course in Watchmen. So we will probably be doing a Watchmen, the HBO series review on uh, discussing comics coming up here pretty soon. But also, I'll say, as always, check out the Relativity podcast and definitely check out Discussing Who for the series finale review, which will be coming up pretty soon, where everything changes. According to the master, but you know, and just real quick before we, um, probably by the time we post this episode and by the time we post discussing who, since discussing who kind of just started this podcasting between comics and Trek and who as of the sixth or seventh, I can't remember which, but it is this week. This will be the fourth anniversary since discussing who got started. Oh, wow. Well, I've been trekking along for about the rest. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 187, I do believe. Yeah. Oh, nice. So. Awesome, guys. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to wrap things up again. Thank you for listening through if you made it this far in the episode. And as always, like I said before, hit us up on the social medias and at fans at discussingtrick.com. And until next time, guys, live long and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe. Enjoyed this podcast. You may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people, a woman on Earth and a man in space, struggling to remain connected, to help one another through life and death situations. Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos is the sound of each other's voices. Find out more at RelativityPodcast.com. Discussing at work.